before you open your Bibles, it doesn't hurt when pastor folds his notes and doesn't think about things because I put things down. Not only Friday night or Friday morning we'll be serving, but Friday night will be victory home. Uh, September comes quickly. Here we are, get to minister again with Victory Home and Hickey House and all these different ministries through the month of September. So this coming Friday night will be the Victory Home ministry where you can go and take food and minister to those men or you can bring food here at 5.30. Don't forget that. That is a tremendous ministry. So Friday will be a full day. And if you do come to, to come early, uh, Friday morning, we're having breakfast. Cottage house. Can I get a witness? Amen. And uh, Merv said, Pastor, do you want biscuits or the full meal deal? I said, Brother, we want the full meal deal. Amen. So biscuits, gravy. And I went and paid for that Friday. And I partook just to make sure. I want to make sure that we're serving folks the food we need to. And once you know, it was good. And so we're good to go. Having said all that, take your Bibles, go to the Old Testament. Don't start from Genesis. Start Malachi, then get to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter number 12. Zechariah chapter number 12. And hope that you have brought your Bibles. I want to encourage that. Grab a Bible if you don't. I encourage you to bring your Bibles to worship and follow along with me. I know you may have different translation. That's fine too. I want you to bring your Bibles. We're going to be looking at verse number 10 as we look and see what the Lord has for us today. I'm excited about the days to come. I appreciate uh, Jimmy and been also meeting with Miss Allison, met with Crystal this week, and she shared her heart with me as well. And uh, her heart is to meet with those that have been singing in the choir, or maybe you haven't been singing, but you want to sing, or maybe it's been a while. So it'll be September the 18th on a Sunday evening around 5 o'clock. I want to encourage you. It won't be practice that day. It'll be her sharing her heart, and I want to encourage you to be here if you'd like to be a part of the choir as she really shared her heart with me uh, this week and look forward as we, uh, the choir, hopefully beginning to sing again and uh, doing some um, different things, not different, but just adding some songs to our worship as we move forward, and I appreciate everybody that serves. To my knowledge, I've never preached on this passage. Chris Anderson texted me this morning and um, we were just talking by text and I told him this morning, I said, you realize for me this past August marked 30 years of preaching. For Chris, he preached our preaching before me and, and so his is over 30 years. But here's what he said to me. He said, Michael, be reminded of something you've said or maybe I've, one of us have said. He said, be reminded of this. We don't have to preach. He said, Michael, we get to preach. And I thought to myself, we don't have to come to church. We get to come to church. We don't have to worship. We get to worship. And we don't have to pray. We get to pray. This verse has gripped my heart. And I just pray that God the Holy Spirit will help me share with you what he has put in my heart about a spirit of grace and prayer. 
Now, in the sermon, I'm going to tell you where we've landed in Zechariah. But for sake of time, I want to read the verse. If you're physically able, stand with me. Zechariah 12, verse number 10. And the Bible says this. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem. And they will look at me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one who mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one who weeps for a firstborn. The spirit of grace and prayer. Let's pray together. Father, in these few moments, I pray, help me speak through me. You're still teaching me about this verse and the gifts that work together of grace and prayer. I don't know who else may need this today, whether those here online or those here, I don't know. God, you know. And I ask you to speak today. Remove anything in my heart that doesn't need to be there. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, but above all, fill this place with your presence and open our hearts to receive what you have for us. Above all, let us glorify your Son, Jesus Christ. Let us look to Him who was pierced, that we had a part in because of our sins, but yet there is healing, there is hope, there is a future found looking at Him who was pierced. Thank you, Father. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. And amen, you might be seated. The book of Zechariah, he was a prophet. It's what known in the, in the Old Testament as a minor prophet. Doesn't mean that he was little, little in statute. Doesn't mean that he was less important as Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel. Simply means his, his book is shorter. It is a shorter book. But I promise you, the message is just as great. When we look at the nation of Israel, God's people, God had blessed them and multiplied them, took them to the land of Canaan, and they had multiplied and grew, but oftentimes would walk away from God and walk away from their relationship with God. It got to the point they began to ask for a king, and God allowed them to have kings. But even in that, they often forgot the God that brought them there, and they rebelled against God. And because of that, God allowed them to go into Babylon and be captured. But in that season, God reminded them from the prophets of Isaiah and Jeremiah, he would not leave them there, that he would eventually bring them back and let them rebuild the temple and the walls. Why? Because when Nebuchadnezzar went in, he destroyed the temple, he destroyed the walls. And sure enough, you read the book of Ezra, Darius allowed a group to go back, over 42,000 to go back and to begin to rebuild the temple. But as often happens, they got caught halfway. They got discouraged along the way. They got to feel like we can't do this. It's not big enough. It's not grand enough. 
And the Bible says that God allowed, Ezra 5 and 5 tells us, that when the prophets Haggai and Zechariah came, God used them to strengthen them to rebuild the temple. So God used Haggai and Zechariah in the midst of that to encourage them to rebuild the temple. The first nine chapters of Zechariah are all about that. It is him encouraging them. It is him challenging them to not stop. But then we get in from chapter 10 through 14 and Zechariah leaves off where Haggai had and then begins to think about the future. He wanted Israel to know that God was not done with them. I want you to draw in close. Israel was God's people. They are still God's people. They still belong to God. And he is not done with them. Zechariah prophesies about the coming of the Messiah. He prophesies of the coming day that we'll know is the day of tribulation when God will work in the nation of Israel again and bring them back. When you see the people fighting against Israel now, don't you be discouraged. God's going to fight for them, and that's exactly what Zechariah tells us. And in the context of the future, in the context of looking to a time when Israel be surrounded in, in, in chapters, this same chapter 1 all the way through verse number 9, he speaks of that day. You hear that all throughout the Old Testament, that day. What is that day speaking of? It's known as the day of the Lord. It is God pouring his wrath out upon this earth. Everybody, everybody look at me for a minute. You want to escape the wrath of God. I'm reading through Revelation again in my personal time, and I'm telling you, God's going to pour His wrath upon this earth. God's going to pull His full, the fullness of His wrath upon this earth. Why? Because of sin. How do I escape it? I escape it through trusting in Christ as my Savior. I escape it through asking Him to be my Savior and Lord. And then because He took my place and took the wrath of God for me. But in the midst of that, God's going to do a work with Israel on that day, the day of the Lord. Now, in the New Testament, we hear the day of Christ. That speaks of the rapture. The day of the Lord speaks of the time when the church is raptured out. There'll be seven years of tribulation upon this earth. And during that time, God's working in Israel. And nation upon nation comes against Israel. But all the first part of this chapter speak of God's going to protect Israel. God's going to surround Israel. And at that point, see that word then in verse 10? Then, at that moment, he's going to pour out grace and prayer. Grace and prayer. What is grace? We sung about it this morning. It is God's unmerited. What does that word unmerited mean? It means I don't deserve it. It means God smiling upon me, God blessing me, God showing me favor when I don't deserve it. It is the smile of heaven. It is the hand of God. It is God doing for us and through us what we can't do for ourselves. It is through grace that we're saved. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. But also God shows us daily grace as he provides and meets our needs. Listen, the greatest thing that will ever happen to anybody is when they begin to realize we don't deserve anything. Don't deserve anything. I deserve hell. I deserve the wrath of God. But God so loved me, He gave His Son, and He showed His grace that in my undeserving state, He still loved me. When I was dirty and filthy and headed for hell, He still loved me. That's the grace of God. He said, I'm going to pour out a spirit of grace for the nation of Israel. But I'm also going to pull out a spirit of prayer. That prayer, that way we communicate with God. The way we connect to God. In the New Testament terms, we do that through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's that family conversation we have. So what is the purpose of God pouring out the spirit of grace in prayer? Well, first of all, it is prophetic. I want to be very clear. This passage is speaking of the nation of Israel. It is God prophetically saying through Zechariah, I'm going to bring a revival to the nation of Israel. They will finally see the one that was pierced. See, when Christ came and was crucified, they rejected him. They said he's not the Messiah. He's not the one to come. He's not the one we trust in. They rejected him. And the Bible says God then turned to the Gentiles and said, now I'm going to present the gospel to you and we can get saved. They rejected him. But there's going to come a moment in time during the tribulation. They will recognize that the one they pierced, the one they crucified, the one they sent on a trial, the one they told Pilate, to take him away and crucify him and release Barabbas. He actually is the Messiah. And they will believe upon him. And there'll be a spirit of prayer or supplication and mourning. Do you see that word that's used there? Mourning. Why would they mourn? Because they'll finally realize they were wrong. They will realize that they, were, they missed the mark. And they will mourn over the condition of their hearts. But God will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer. They will be, allow them to see the very one, the very one that they rejected is the very one that can save them. But I'm so grateful the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 or chapter 3, the Bible is also practical for you and me. The primary application is pointing to Israel. A time during the great tribulation is going to pour out a spirit of grace and prayer that grace and prayer go together and allow them to see him for who he is. They will turn to him who is pierced and they'll begin to pray and seek the Lord's face. The whole nation, probably not, but a large number of them will turn to the Lord God. For you and I, what does it mean? What is that secondary application? Did you know you and I also need to look to the one who was pierced? When Zechariah prophesied about that, hear me, the, 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 the type of crucifixion that Christ would endure had not even been invented yet. The Romans perfected it. But he saw in his mind's eye in the power of the Holy Spirit there will come a time when God himself in the flesh through the Lord Jesus Christ would be pierced with a spear. He would have crown of thorns placed upon his head. It was Zechariah that saw him coming in riding on a donkey. It was Zechariah that saw there would come a Messiah. Listen to me. We also need to look to the one who was pierced. It blows my mind that people are looking for so many ways to find happiness, so many ways to find joy, so many ways to find salvation. People nowadays will say this, I'm just spiritual. I'm just spiritual. Now let me tell you what the Bible says. You're either saved or lost. And the only one to get saved is look to the one who was pierced. Look to the one who gave his life. Look to the one who shed his blood. Look to the one who rose again on the third day. We must look to him as well. And also for you and I, we must pray, God, pour out a spirit of grace and prayer. I thought a lot about that. Think with me for a minute. Why those two? Why would God say those two gifts? He could have used any gifts that come from heaven. Think with me. Peace comes from heaven. Amen? Joy comes from heaven. Amen? Are y'all with me? God supplies those gifts. Provision, financial gain. He could have mentioned anything. But he said grace and prayer. Stay with me. When God, by the way, God does it. He pours it out. That, that means it's supernatural. 
It means he's, that word pour literally means to, to pour out, to shed out, that it comes from heaven. He's saying he will ignite among the people a spirit of grace, of knowing a supernatural grace and knowing a supernatural prayer. Think with me. Grace is us realizing how undeserving we are. Grace is us realizing how much we need. These people finally got desperate. These people finally got realizing they had to have some dependence upon God. I believe if we can ever get to that spot that we desperately need God to intervene in our lives, that we desperately need God to work in our lives, if we can ever get to the place of true dependence to God, I need you every hour, not just Sunday, not when I'm just going through a trouble. Michael Wilkes, you know what I'm about to do? God, I need you because I'm going through this. God, I need you because I'm facing this trial. God, I need you because this is going on in my life. No, the spirit of grace and prayer is me saying, I need you every hour. I need you every moment. And then when we begin to realize how desperate we are, we begin to see God move in power and grace as God works. Think with me for a moment. When we experience grace, it causes us to pray. But we won't really get grace till we pray. They go hand in hand. The more we pray and ask God to move in our life and show his favor, the more he gives grace. And the more grace we receive, the more we want to pray. They go hand in hand. I don't know about you, but I need the grace of God every day in my life. That's why I want to make sure we sung that fourth verse. I just about got in the flesh this morning because I want to hear amazing grace. And so I want to hear it from the old red back hymnal, Jimmy. 57 in the red back hymnal. And so I went on YouTube. Three times I tried to hear it. You know what? They skipped that verse every single time. That poor third verse in every hymnal is the loneliest verse in every hymnal. Amen? You know why do I like that verse? Through many dangers, toils, and trials I've already come. Tis grace that's brought me this far, and grace will lead me home. I don't know about you, I need the favor of God. I need God to smile on me from heaven. I need his help in every area. But how do I get that poured out from heaven when I pray? When God pours out a spirit of grace and prayer, revival can take place in our hearts. That's the purpose of that, God pouring it out. But notice it's not only the purpose, but I've already mentioned it, it's his provision. And you see it hand in hand through scripture. Ezra chapter 9, the Bible says Ezra prayed. When they went back to try to rebuild the temple, they got in a mess. They rebelled against God. And Ezra just mourned. And he broke his heart and he began to pray. Listen to what he prayed. He said, Lord, for a moment you've given us some grace. For a moment you've given us some grace. As he prayed, God showed grace. Listen to Acts chapter 4. The Bible says they had been told, if you keep preaching the name of Jesus, we're going we're gonna to harm your families, we're going to harm you. You're going to be thrown into prison. It's, it's not going to go well for you. They didn't tuck their tail and run. They didn't say, I'm just going to be a quiet Christian and mind my own business. They went back and they prayed. And they sought the God of heaven. And God moved on that prayer meeting. And the Bible says, when they had prayed, the place they were assembled was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says in verse 33, the apostles were given testimony with great power to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. See the connection? When they prayed and got dependent, God showed favor. God showed grace. They go hand in hand. 
the spirit of grace and prayer. Hebrews chapter 4, the great text of our great high priest. Listen to what it says. Therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness that we might receive and find grace to help at the proper time. You know what that's speaking of? Prayer. Everybody, everybody listen to me. I don't want this to be a sermon to make you feel guilty for not praying. I had a pastor. He's, he's not pastoring right now. and He's just, he's just going to church. He, he needed some time to step away. Nothing immoral. Nothing. He had done nothing illegal. He just was burnt out. And so he's working a, a regular job and his family is plugged in. How do you know they're plugged in preacher? Because I asked him. <laughs> I want to make sure he's plugged into a local church. He said, they asked him to lead in prayer the other day in the Sunday school class. And somebody said, that was a powerful prayer. You prayed for that individual. I told him, I said, just because you're not behind the pulpit, who you are as a pastor, and it's going to come out. But he said to me, he said, Michael, I just wonder, as I'm listening and I'm sitting back, he said, the guilt factor can be so strong. I want you to hear me. That's not my heart. I also struggle at times. I promise you I do. Times when I, I pray and it feels like I, it's not getting through. Times when it feels like my schedule gets overrun and my prayer life gets put on the back burner. And I feel the weight of that. I feel the weight of that guilt. But listen to what this, again to the text. Then I will pour out. It is the provision of the Holy Spirit at work in our life that causes us to receive the gift of grace but also to ignite within us the desire and devotion of prayer. That it is God at work in us. That it's God stirring our hearts. That it's God pouring out and letting us see our need that we need grace and to get that grace we need prayer. Then as we pray we get the grace. It's a full circle that God works. Again, He pours it out from heaven. It's amazing when he begins to do. What happens when we experience that grace in prayer? I listed several things. He enlightens us. He enables us. He empowers us. He encourages us. Encourages what? In the world that we live in. How about the wounds we have? Anybody need some grace for the thorns in the flesh you're carrying around? When Paul, listen to what he did. He prayed, God remove that thorn. God remove that hindrance. God remove that thing I'm going through. God said, no, but I'll tell you what I will do. I'll give you grace. My grace is sufficient. Do you see it? Prayer and grace. Prayer and grace. How about, do we need prayer and grace for our worries? Absolutely. Philippians chapter 4 tells us, don't worry about anything, but in everything. Stay with me. Listen to me. Those of you that are in elementary school age, those of you in, in middle and high school, those of you in college, those young adults, senior adults, I'm telling you where, where we are, in everything pray. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard our heart. How about our warfare? Ephesians 6, one of the greatest weapons we have is prayer. Our worship, our witness. God, I need your grace. God, I need your favor. I don't know about you. I need the smile of heaven in every area of my life. But I, I see some in here in elementary school age. I see some in middle school. I see some young adults, middle adults, 
senior adults. Chris and I were talking again. He's helping his youngest son. He's done got into a grave digging business, and Chris is helping him dig graves. I told Chris, I said, you understand, you and I are two years away from our AARP card. You do not need to be in a hole digging with a shovel right now. We're getting that. It hit me when I'm realizing I'm two years away from being 50. Everybody look at me. I don't care if you're in elementary school or you are a senior adult. There's grace for you for everything you're walking through. You know what the Bible says? I told this to Miss Susan the other day when I was visiting her. The Bible says in the book of 1 Peter, we go through manifold trials. Now, I'm not a mechanic, so if you're thinking manifold, that's not it. It literally means multicolored. When I, when I went to Matthew's printing the other day to get the invitation cards, which you'll get some next Sunday, by the way. I, I'm so looking forward to it. New ones, and they're updated, and you'll be able to get those. We were given a, a color um, thing when I was when I started working there you had to match the colors you had to lay it against that envelope and look at that colors and it's, I'm talking you think you know colors until you have that big color wheel and it's amazing the shades and the times and it just it's crazy here's what here's what inspired by the Holy Spirit Peter says every trial you go through has a color it has a color and they're different it might be a tragedy, it might be a difficulty, it might be a struggle internally, it might be something that you young people are going through that we don't even, y'all are going through more now than we ever thought about going through. And you're facing things. You're thinking, how am I going to make it through that? You get to a different season of life, and maybe you're in a season of life and you're having to take care of your parents. There's a color for that. And that trial is unique. Preacher, where are you going with it? I feel depressed. <laughs> Stay with me. The same book, 1 Peter chapter 4 says, the manifold grace of God. You know what that means? For every trial and temptation, that you're, there's a grace to match that color. There's a grace to match exactly what you're walking through. Did you hear what I'm saying? There's a grace to match. That grace is what? The divine enablement of God, the divine power of God, the divine favor of God to get me through, to get where I need to get to, to not only get me through it, but get through victorious. And how do I do that? He pours out a spirit of prayer and grace and grace and prayer so that he works in me so I experience his grace, I lean into him through prayer, I get his grace, I come to him as the sweet our prayer says and I bring my burdens to him and I come and connect with him and he does something in my life that I think how can I go but all of a sudden now that I'm off my knees now that I've talked to God I can go another step I can go another mile there's a fresh tank and there's something new in the tank where does that come from I didn't work that up I didn't, I didn't bring it up I didn't try to fix it up it came straight from heaven and that's where we got to look to the one who was pierced don't look within. Don't look without. Look to the one who can pour out a spirit of grace and prayer. Grace to raise your kids. Grace to walk through trials. Grace to be, to walk with Jesus as a young adult and do right and be right. Grace to walk through our precious widows in this church as I talk to them and hear their heart I can't be where you're at but there's a grace to meet you where you are why is this so real in my heart 
I fall so short as a pastor, I'm telling you. I was praying, trying my best Saturday nights to call out every name and call it. And as I was praying, brother, I thought, there's people I've missed this week. There's people I meant to call, I meant to check. I know I miss it. I know I do. There's a weight that I carry, a burden. I'm not trying to put any burdens on you. But would to God that we'd get a burden so we could know the blessing of grace and prayer. One Thursday morning as I was praying, it was as if the Lord said, because I'm just going to be, it's just us here. Y'all all right? I'm trying to finish, but it's just us here. and so burdened with the ones that I'm missing. I preach you ought to reach out to them. I have. And I deal with internal struggle of do they feel like I'm still harping on them? I don't know, I don't know the right answer. But I try to reach out. I try to call. There comes a point maybe I have. I, I don't know the answer. And then I think about those that share things with me. As a young lady just shared something when I said how can I pray for you? She shared about her family. Tore me out of the frame. I thought, I can't fix it. I think about those going through difficulties and trials. I think about some of the things y'all are walking through. I think about our young people when I call your name out. And I think about what our young people are facing. I think about what our... I think about you and I think, I can't fix it. But I... No one who can. I know one who can give you a grace that I can't give you. I know one that can come to where you are that I can't get to you. Now listen, I'm limited. Guess what, mom and dad? So are you. Guess what, grandparents? So are you. Guess what, kids? So are you. But he's not limited. His grace is enough to supply and meet our needs. And I'm telling you, when we pray, God can do what we can't do. Here's what God told me that Thursday morning. It, I didn't hear it audibly. Don't, don't walk around thinking that I walk so walk with God that, Michael, here is the word of the Lord today. I'd love that. Wouldn't that be awesome? Here's Thursday's word for the day. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Oh, got it. It ain't like that. It's more an impression. It's more of a hearing in my heart that I know that I wouldn't come up with it. Are y'all with me? I'm not waking up in the morning on Thursday morning thinking of this word, travail. I didn't wake up and go, you know, I'm going to study the word travail today. It didn't come. You know what came to my heart as I was praying? A word that I heard my dad say years ago. Church, are you willing to get in travail? And I remember him quoting the Bible that said, Zion, which speaks of the people of God, if they would get in travail. What does that word travail? It literally, ladies, speaks of birth. Getting, being willing to go through the pain of labor. And I was only in the room one time. Preacher, do you go when folks, babies are born? I used to, but then I started going like the day after. Y'all with me? Because ain't nobody need to be in there but family. Because that, that, that lady is going through labor. But I can tell you for the one that I did see that, that went through from the time that 
she gave the phone call to Matthew's printing and she called me that morning and Saturday morning and I was at work at 6 o'clock in the morning and she said I think my water's broke and I simply said are you sure <laughs> don't do that not good made our way to the hospital from 7 o'clock in the morning till 9.30 when Michael's when I watched her go through it but I watched the joy when they placed Michael in her hands She'd go through it again to get the blessing. So what's the Bible saying when he talks about us being in travail? Be willing to get under the burden. Be willing to seek the heart for your family. Be willing to pray. Be willing to let your heart be broken that you might experience the blessing of grace. I know there's nothing supernatural about anybody coming to this altar. I know that. I know that our altar may not be like other churches. We, we have these steps. We have places here to pray. I know it's not always easy to come. Physically, you might not be able to. Sometimes it's hard to think, well, if I go, and what will they think? I, I just, I know that. Pam reminded me this morning, but we've seen what can happen when we as a church, this church, not just the church, when this church gets corporately linked in believing prayer. We've seen it in God working in revivals and we've seen it God working in, 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 in outreaches, but we've seen it when we prayed, God give a window of opportunity for Scott to reach out to his son Devin. And we hear an hour later that they were given one hour to share the gospel with him and he got saved what could happen if we got in travail again what could happen with our families and our communities what could happen please hear me if Carl Bartholomew was to die today apart from Christ no matter how good of a man he is he has no testimony of trust in Christ and according to the word of God are you hearing me? Not according to Michael. According to the word of God, he'd be separated eternity from God and die and go to hell. What could happen if we really, and I know you're praying, but we really said, let's get in travail. Tell you what will happen. God will get a hold of hearts when I can't. God will get to people when I can't. God can get a hold of folks and heal and touch and, and, and squeeze their heart. And I know you're joining and I'm praying too. God heal him physically that you might heal him spiritually and that's just one case all I'm saying to you is this this is a standalone message it's not going to be a series it's from my heart to you you are a praying church and I say thank God for you and I mean that you are a praying church but I'm praying this Lord pour out a spirit of prayer and grace so the preacher doesn't have to give the invitation. If somebody comes down here to pray, I don't have to sit up here and say, somebody needs to come pray with them. There is like D now in a, in a Sunday morning service when if somebody comes to the altar, people are flooding the altar because there's all of a sudden become a spirit of grace and prayer. 
when somebody's outside and it, all of a sudden somebody needs prayer, that it ain't just me or somebody else praying with them or you praying with them. Somebody sees it and you all gather around. Are y'all hearing me? Say, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we're not a praying church. Please hear me. Don't walk out there going, I tell you what, it's just always getting on us. Hey, you didn't hear everything I said. I'm saying, I'm asking God for a supernatural move that it's not me or you, it's Him that has poured out a spirit of grace and prayer to so move. So this morning, here's the invitation. If you've never been saved, I'm going to invite you to come. The grace you need is salvation. The grace you need is to be saved and trust Christ. But if you have a need, if you have a a, a multicolored trial. There's a multicolored grace. Maybe you just want to come and say, Lord, as we begin the fall, I want to come and pray over the ministries of the church. I want to come and maybe get my. I don't know. I don't know. But let God lead you. Let God stir in the spirit of grace and prayer. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're coming with a song of invitation. The Lord knows the need this morning. As God would so lead you, come and pray. Come and pray. Father, speak now as only you can. Draw folks to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.